0: Hello, welcome, I'm at it again, two in a row, what a streak, this is Jim, I'm going to talk to you about some combat sports, both real and fake. Yeah, that's right, I said it, real and fake. Most of the MMA's fake, in my mind. Um, Well, the promos are. So, let's, um, quick overview, because there's heaps to get into, although 90% of it's New Japan, because... They're going crazy at the moment. Um, there's some Ring of Honor. There's uh, there is some UFC, and actually, there's a couple other little bits and pieces of thrown in there. But um, yeah, this is recorded the morning of the third of October, Saturday morning in my part of the world. Beautiful day today, although it has been. A long morning because I'm struggling to keep up with this bloody G1 anyway I don't want this to drag on too long so let's crack into it the uh, first one I've got here is Ring of Honor so this is the continuation of the Ring of Honor tournament to crown the Ring of Honor pure champion oh by the way I've got my hot brew mmm which is still too hot ow okay let that cool. We have... The winners from the last week. Jay Lethal goes by the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, just the franchise part, I don't... Not the Shane Douglas part. But that's a... Uh, yeah. That's a, a nickname worth stealing. Good on him. I didn't know that. I don't know how long he's been going by the franchise. But um, he's going to face Finley in the... I think that's going to be a quarterfinal, and Finlay's just kind of cutting his promo on, uh, you know, he wants to beat the best of Ring of Honor, so that'd be Jay Lethal. He wants to fly the flag for New Japan. The other winner from last week was Matt Sidell. Um, And his promo, he said that he was high on life, which is one of the dorkiest expressions of all time. And then he's talking about his opened his third eye. So, I guess this guy's gimmick is being like a crystal healer, motivational hippie dickhead. The kind of guy that corners you at a party and wants to... Well, he talks to you like he wants to sell you something. Anyway, I think he faces Gresham in the next round. So, Gresham better stretch him. Um... But the matches tonight, or for this, I watched them this morning. But this happened last week. It was uh, Fred Yehai versus Silas Young. So Yehai is a savage weight. He talks about not following the drug-dealing street crowd, and he got his nickname from his amateur wrestling days. It's one of the weaker promos in this format, in honesty. Uh, the last real man, Silas Young. Talks about growing up with older brothers. He's been adding to his game, such as BJJ training. But he understands that Yehi is a threat. Um, They do a lot of chatting early on. Actually, There's a lot of... Which is something, I guess, again, with these no-crowd matches, that could be an addition to pro wrestling. There's not always a lot of chat that goes on, the trash talk and whatnot. I didn't pick up a lot of it in fairness. But anyway, um, Yehi shows some real neat... Techniques and it's a uh, it's a pretty technical match in that pro wrestling sense. It's not like a shoot style kind of way, but um, Young uses a rope break early, um, then kind of gets his attacks in during the ad break. I was told their ads are real odd, but they're very American ads, which is kind of fun. Um, like the acting's even worse than pro wrestling, which is good. Like the acting in the ads it's it's almost like it's it's so bad that it makes wrestling not seem so bad yeah i don't know if they do that on purpose but um yeah yehi using his striking strong knees in the corner spinning back elbow got a cold koji clutch in um young fights back again show some impressive agility but yehi kind of was he had his number he was more on top of this match and it goes close to the time limit actually but Yehai wins with a cradle pin they shake hands good match next one's Josh Woods versus Kenny King so Josh the Goods Woods currently mentored by Silas Young Uh, he's got a background in amateur wrestling MMA he I actually looked that up and he's got one amateur fight in MMA unless the record I saw was wrong so I don't know I mean that doesn't mean he doesn't train in it though um, speaks confidently and naturally I like this promo a lot more than uh, the other one it, it, it's, it just seemed like a normal interview which was good he's got respect for Kenny King but he raises an interesting anecdote about them wherein Kenny passed judgment on Woods for coaching wrestling and Kenny's like well why would you be coaching wrestling but I don't know it came off as a very realistic kind of exchange one would have and woods didn't take it like i'm gonna rip his head off he was just kind of like yeah it just kind of bothered me and um i you know i still want to earn his respect but at the same time i felt kind of insulted by that and um he's actually a better promo than king which is funny if if he's passing judgment on woods because king kind of he's just a bit more pro-wrestly if that can i make up a term Uh, so he's with, he's like a 20 year vet, I think nearly, um, ring of honor in gobernable faction with dragon Lee and Rouge, but he, you know, he says he's not underestimating woods. He's been doing some jujitsu and boxing. I think he said for like, you know, the last couple of weeks, like doing a couple of weeks of jujitsu is going to matter against someone that properly trains in it. But, um, yeah, he just says some other gimmicky stuff about not caring about the rules. Whatever. This one definitely shart, uh, starts uh, shootier. I know I said shots. It starts shootier. But um, King throws a bit of pizzazz in. So he's clearly the more pro-wrestly. I'm going to use that term again. And probably more in the future. He's more pro-wrestly than uh, Woods is. He's the more shoot-style guy. But King can hang with him. Um, in fact, he invites the young whippersnapper into his guard, which Woods... Kind of confused he's confused by it he accepts and then promptly passes the guard into mount um, but he doesn't get anywhere the he fails at a guillotine he fails at a kimura um, he tries something a bit trickier next where it looks like he was setting up for a texas cloverleaf but then he just kind of i don't know hung on to it and it didn't look like it would hurt at all but i don't know he spooked king i suppose into crawling out of the ring so that cost him a rope break even though we argued that that, he didn't actually touch the rope so it shouldn't count but that doesn't that's not true I don't think that's right Um, and I've mentioned here that it's a credit to the show when it looks strange to me that the wrestlers are outside of the ring Uh, but that's kind of my thing maybe more so than others Um, Josh thinks about throwing a punch at one point but he hesitates obviously due to the rules if you need a reminder You only get one warning for punches to the face, otherwise you get... I think, actually, if you get... It's not just disqualified, you get, like, fired if you punch again. I'm assuming that's only goes for the one match, not... You're not allowed to punch in the whole tournament again. But, anyway, Kenny punches him instead, so he earns a warning, and it kind of allows King to gain some control over the match. He tries to do a superplex, but Woods counters it into a pretty cool-looking twisting neck breaker off the turnbuckle, uh, and the, the clock's now counting down. It's nearly at the end of the match. Woods runs in to kick a downed king, but it's dodged. He turns it into a single-leg Boston crab, but Woods survives it. The time runs out, and it goes to the judge's decision. The commentary mull over the factors that might change what uh, or the, the judges might be looking at, but the decision's rendered pretty quickly, they don't announce who scored what at first, but just that it was a split decision for Woods, King is outraged, and, uh, but it could have been down to the punch he threw, I don't know, they didn't really mention what the decision's based off of, from memory, so, yeah, first decision of the tournament, and, um, this was a good match, I really liked this one, um, and this whole episode, actually, was pretty good, much better than last week. Next, I've got here New Japan Strong from the LA Dojo. Kevin King and uh, TJP actually started the show with him instead of Alex Kozlov, but um, he still does the weird Kozlov thing where he stands... TJP, this is... Stands closer to the camera than Alex Kelly. So I don't know what... Obviously, a producer is telling them to do this, except now they've got a camera behind Kelly so that when... TJP's facing Kelly to talk to him they've got a camera that shows TJP's face like instead of going to that effort why not just have them stand next to each other what are you doing this for it's so strange anyway it was just for that opening segment Kozlov's back to uh, commentate this Lions Break Crown tournament which by the way I feel bad I called them geeks last week so, I went to some trouble. There's some quality content on this episode, everyone. I actually researched these guys. Oh, good. Now the coffee is perfect temperature. Oh, to get me through this. No, these are actually were pretty good matches. Um, we got Logan Regal versus uh, the DKC. So, Regal's got a twin brother called Sterling that's out injured. And... Once he returns, they'll be back to a tag team. But um, And then DKC, I, his name's Dylan Carl Cox. And he's an intense little fella. And he's only been wrestling a couple of years, but um, he actually controls most of this match. He, he's working an arm for large portions. Regal actually sells down pretty well, too. But um, DKC shoots in, lifts Regal up over his shoulder, only for Regal to drop behind with a roll-up, steal the win by a pinfall. That was the first match. And uh, they do a promo afterwards. Regal comes in singing the that Jay-Z song on to the next one. Or, I don't know, whatever Jay-Z sampled that from. But, uh, yeah, it just keeps it short and simple. That was fine. Next was Clark Connors versus Jordan Clearwater, the Golden Boy. So he's been wrestling a few years, kind of... Uh, around about the California area. Says he's been a champion for Empire Wrestling Federation. And of course, Connors is the New Japan Dojo representative. Bringing all that dojo intensity. And he takes Tallboy to the uh, dojo for a while there with some fighting spirit spots. There's a a stiff shoulder block from the side. He, He bounces off the ropes from the side and just thuds into Clearwater, straight out of his old football days, as a neat spine buster in response from the Golden Baby. And uh, Connor kicks out, hits a spear, Boston Crab, and Clearwater kicks. No, doesn't kick out, he taps out straight away. Good match this one, though. Um, and I made fun a little bit. He's not the Golden Baby, he's the Golden Boy. But he was good. Clearwater kept up with uh, Connors during this. So they do the promo afterwards. Connor's welcomes these newbies into the den. Um, it's a decent promo, but the real charisma, let me tell you, is shown during these cleaning product ads they play on every show. So Connor's kind of the over-the-top, excited one about these. I don't know. This is Japanese cleaning product, which, in fairness, he might actually be excited about because they probably do a lot of that stuff in the dojo, but. I don't know. If you usually skip that ad, you shouldn't. It's great. Watch it at least once. Anyway. Next match. Danny Limelight and Barrett Brown. Limelight comes out kind of dancing. Brown's into his dance moves. These guys are pretty... They're both pretty experienced. Barrett Brown has um, been a pro for over a decade, and he's only 26 years old. And Limelight's got about six years experience. So um they probably i don't know if they're paths of cross but uh they kind of look at each other like they have um so limelight does the first flippy of the evening a spinny actually it was a 360 over the ropes to the outside and uh, then does a bit of salsa limelight shows a bit more fancy business balancing along the ropes before leaping off them with a clothesline barrett isn't as tricky but he hits hard and it's a pretty even contest There was a little part of this um, match that I really liked. It was when Limelight tried to drop behind on a suplex, but he didn't have a great grip on Barrett's head. So instead of them cooperating, Limelight knees him in the back to make him drop down, and then that allows him to secure the head. And then right after that, Barrett tries to escape with a knee to the head, and Danny blocks it. There's not enough blocks in pro wrestling. So, I don't know, I liked it. Anyway, the leads to a fisherman buster, near fall. Barrett gets his own near fall with a wheelbarrow face buster. Limelight comes back by bouncing top rope to top rope, catching a tornado DDT, and winning by pinfall. So, this was even better than the last match. And a good example, I think, of picking the high spots carefully to make them mean more. So, Limelight comes out on top of that one. He says he's come... All the way from New York City, representing Puerto Rico, to win this thing. And uh, he puts over the competition, but... I don't know. He speaks with conviction. He keeps it short. It's a good promo. Okay, finally, we've got Adrian Quest and Blake Christian. So, the winner of this one would face Limelight. Quest is right there with Brown as one of the most experienced guys, but he's only 24. I think he's actually got just as many or more years than... um brown yeah Kozlov points out that he started when he was 11 years old so he's been a busy young man Uh, apparently he's even established his own clothing line in between Um, what Kozlov described growing up he had hood fights okay I mean I I, I assume that doesn't mean he was fighting on the hood of a car Uh, it was in his neighborhood is it because he's black, Kozlov, or is that real? I shouldn't get into that. Okay. Christian's not scurred. He's a fiery redhead. He's bringing the heat. Kelly says he's got an oblique injury, um, which is like you're I don't know, above your groin, kind of in your side. I've had one of those before. It's kind of painful. It's just annoying, actually, because it just affects everything. Your, anytime you're moving your torso. So, it might be real, because he sold it pretty well, um, and all the time. Christian hits a bottom rope 619, but then gets kicked out of the air when he comes off the turnbuckle. Quest tries some flippies, but they don't work. Christian does a spinny, works perfectly. A high, slow 360 splash from the top turnbuckle earns the win via pinfall for Christian. He says his ribs are hurting, but all heart, as he calls himself, keeps going. So next week, we'll have... Regal and uh, Connors going at it, and Limelight against Christian in the semi finals. And I was r- really impressed with this show, but um, in fairness, I had pretty low expectations. So, a humble pie I shall eat. Let's go on to UFC here on Fight Island. It was uh, a pretty big card for them, it was a pay per view, but uh, I'll run quickly through the preliminary card on ESPN there was William Knight against Alexa Kamur. I just kind of watched this one in the background it looked like Knight was in control for large parts on the ground and at the end of the second he twists Camor's arm up right at the last second it looked like he would have had the victory with just a tiny bit more time uh, and then Knight gets back on top in the third so I mean the fight ends with him in mount so I'm not surprised when it went to a unanimous decision despite my inattentiveness And what I did notice was Anik was back in the ring. Not the ring, the octagon for the post-fight interview. So that was cool. And um, Knight didn't say anything special but he spoke very calmly and politely. Uh, That was at light heavyweight. At featherweight, Shane Young and Ludovic Klein. There was an early stoppage here just over a minute in. Klein connects with the right hand, a left head kick and then a right uppercut and then another left hand as Young went down. Just a, a pretty uh, pretty great finish to the match. Anik reckons this put the... <laughs> he says he put Slovakia on the map. Poor Slovakia. In fairness, I couldn't find him uh, on a map. Uh, Klein via KO. His English is rudimentary. He's like, I like head kick. I am happy but he seems like a nice guy. I can't speak Slovakian, you know? Slovakia. I feel like there's a dish from Slovakia that might've put them on the map before Klein won a fight on a prelim. Slovakian some. I feel like there's a Slovakian fries or something, but it's probably not worth looking up right now. Uh, next fight well to wait Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews Jake Matthews the Aussie there was a bit of a kind of Aussie Kiwi um tone to this card Matthews said he was in grade 5 when he first saw Sanchez win the ultimate fighter and he beats on Sanchez here like he's in 5th grade and Sanchez is in 1st grade it's pretty um gruesome actually In the second round, Sanchez does a terrible recreation of the Masvidal knee on Askren at the beginning of the round. He even has his hands behind his uh, back on the cage. And then he kind of slowly moves in and then runs in and throws a knee that is about two meters from Matthew's head. But, um, yeah, and then he gets knocked down with a right hand heavy grand a pound punishes him, but Sanchez survives despite being just... He's just painting the mat with blood. It was pretty hectic. But yeah, it goes to a decision. Matthews wins. That was at welterweight. Lightweight. Brad Riddell versus Alex De Silva. Riddell's another Aussie. All Kiwi. I don't know which. Uh, I think he might be Kiwi. And he's... I didn't even really watch much of this one, to be honest. Riddell won via unanimous decision. Main card, featherweight, Hakeem, Dabadoo, no, it's Dabadoo, Dabadoo, Dabado, versus, Z- oh, come on, Zubaira, Z- Zubaira, Tugov, 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 get out of here with that. that, the other guy, he fought, this wasn't even a good match anyway, why am I bothering, the Dabadoo, he kind of, he starts coming forward during the match with his hands down, kind of yelling at Hugov, Tukhugov, Tukhugov. Like, as because I don't know, he blamed after he won by decision or split decision, double do, and he blamed Tukhugov for running and making it a boring fight. But I don't know who to blame. I just know I wasn't interested women's bantamweight this one wasn't spec check 3s. I didn't really watch. Um, I was at my friend's place watching this, so it was harder to take notes, you know. But in honesty, I don't think there was much to say about those two fights. This one though, flyweight, Kai Kara France versus Brandon Royval. This was crazy. It was um it one fight of the night in the end. There was just it's at flyweight and there's little limbs flying everywhere. It looked like there was an illegal knee to Cara Francis' head at one point but no one seemed to really say anything about it from what I could tell um, it looked like he was down and he got kneed in the head but they were just going uh, crazy all over the place I was, remember there was a spinning elbow in there as well um, the fight ended in round 2 by guillotine for Roy Val. and then we had the two title fights so World Light Heavyweight Championship Dominic Reyes versus Jan blahovic there was a, a mean body kick Right early in the fight, it left a big welt on Reyes' side. And then there was a punch that looked like it broke Reyes' nose. Uh, And then the fight ended in the second round. It was a pretty dominant performance by Jan. um, And, uh, yeah, Polish power. Big punch, TKO victory. And he was happy to become champion. He didn't say anything particularly notable. Uh, or at the press conference, he said, said he's interested in fighting Jones, and if it's not him, he would take Tiago Santos if he beats Glover. But um, he'd just become a father for the first time, so he was mostly interested in just uh, going home and celebrating that. Then we had the main event, World Middleweight Championship. Oh, by the way, I don't think I mentioned, that was a vacant championship because John Jones vacated it to move up to heavyweight. So yeah, Jan Blachowicz, the uh not the lineal but the new world light heavyweight champion. Uh world middleweight champion Israel Adesanya defended against Paulo Costa. They started out pretty cagey at the beginning. Um Adesanya's making fun of Costa's lack of action for a moment by calling him Romero, you can hear it because there's no crowd and Costa responds by Uh, kind of doing Romero's, the cross-arm guard, up to his face, pointing his elbows out. Um, But it didn't make him feel like he should do anything else. Adesanya just kept kicking him in the leg, which quickly discolored Costa's legs. There was one in particular that just, you could see all the marks down his leg. And... um, then there was a, a strong body kick and a head kick in the second round that cut Costa's eye, the the right eyebrow open. Uh, finally, it was just a glancing left hook that finally dropped Costa. And then the mounted punches finished him off in the second round there. Adesanya humping Costa before dismounting, which he later was really angry about, but dominant, dominant win by the champion. And um, then afterwards, between that and the decision being announced Adesanya's got this long rant for a bemused looking Dana White about the purse percentages for missing weight and then he rambles about that on the mic as well um, and then he invites his coach over who's got a mask on and Adesanya's kind of like asking him questions and it's just wop, 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 through the mask um, but he does say that Kananir is next if he Adesanya says if he beats Whitaker dominantly, then Cannoneer's next, and he'd also like to face Hermanson, which is the... And that's it. That's the middleweight division. If he beats both of them, unless there's... Oh, I guess there's that new guy that cams that guy. But um, in terms of the top 10, he's really cleared that division out uh, after those two. Because um, Hermanson's, like, ranked 7 or 8, I think. Uh, And then in the press conference, he says that uh, Costa's a bully. He said he shaved off his pink hair. He had pink hair before. He said his dad told him it would make him easier to see and hit. So he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So he shaved it off. Um, He's asked about his chest. Oh, yeah, there was like some gyno. It looked like gyno. uh, Gynocomastia, I think it's called. The, The effect you get or can get from steroid use and it produces uh, extra or just estrogen, which sometimes, you know, gives you puffy nipples. I'm not saying this from experience at all. My nipples are naturally puffy, but, um, yeah, he just kind of like, uh, brushed off the question. Cause he's been talking so much smack about Costa being on steroids. So yeah, that's a bit, uh, bit of a question there. And then, uh, the other, I guess the other one at the press conference, Dana White, he gave performance of the night bonuses to the two championship winners. He said "And Adesanya won easily. He saw Jan look great. Um, he said that the adesanya Costa stare down had the highest view count ever. Like higher than the Connor versus Khabib stare down. I don't know what that says. I mean, that would just be on YouTube. I don't know what he's... I don't know. We'll see what the pay-per-view does, I guess. But... Um, he agreed that Canonier was next in line if he wins the fight with against Whitaker. Everyone's writing off my boy Whitaker. He thinks uh, Adesanya's the next big star in the UFC. He's asked about Diego Sanchez's future and says it's hard to talk about the end with these guys. But um, Sanchez's record isn't that bad lately, so he might not have to make have that talk quite yet. Uh, and on the same night, there was some boxing. I didn't watch it, but I'll um quickly touch on it. At the Mohegan Sun, the Charlo twins, Jermel and Jamel. No, <laughs> it's Jermel and Jamal. No, it's Jermel and Jamal. Jermel, Jamal. J- Jermel, Jamal. I'm a big fan. Uh, they <laughs> fought in a doubleheader. So I just thought this was interesting because I don't think there would have ever been... Twins fighting on the same pay-per-view as, like, co-main eventers on a combat sports card before. Um, And they both won. Jermol, the older brother, by one minute, retained the WBC World Middleweight Championship with a unanimous decision over Sergei Derevchenchenko. Yes, I said that correctly. So he's 31-0 now. And then in the main event, Jermel Charlo at light middleweight retained the WBC light middleweight title and took from Jason Rosario, the WBA super lightweight, sorry, light middleweight title, the IBF and the vacant, the ring light middleweight titles, unifying three out of four of the main titles in the division. Uh, that was a bit more exciting. (laughs) This Charlo brother swings heavy just from the first bell. There was a knockdown in the first round. Um, there was again, he knocked him down again in the six and then it was a jab to the body that ended up finishing Rosario in the eighth. So he's, uh, nearly the undisputed champion there of the super middleweight division in boxing. And he's, uh, 30, 34 and one his record. Anyway, here we go. I digressed for long enough. Here is the G1 climax. Let me see, is there any breaks? I think there is one or two other things as we go through all of these cards. So, oh, let me have a sip of coffee first. There's a a lot to get through. And we're already 30 minutes in. All right, what a professional I am. Okay. Kobe World Hall. We have Gabriel Kid versus... Gabriel? That's the girl version, right? He probably prefers Gabriel. Gabriel Kidd versus Yota Suji, and Kidd wins after a double underhook suplex, and he is really pumped about it, which is good. He goes over to Suji to rub it in, and he runs his mouth a bit about the LA dojo. Um, and after the match, Yoda is uncharacteristically on topic, giving Kidd cred- uh, credit for the hard work and the victory, but promises to win their next four bouts over the coming weeks. Kid's annoyed about Suji's previous comments about his work ethic and such, and he rattles on for a while, but shows some spirit and turns it into a decent promo. But um, on to the main stuff, A block, Tai Chi versus Yujiro Takahashi. Yujiro gets to jump on Tai Chi and uses his pimp cane until the bell rings because he must be under the impression that the rules matter, you idiot. Taichi pushes the referee over kicks Yujiro low and beats him with a stupid looking pin which the referee counts without hesitation because the rules don't matter you idiot Yujiro the referee just like had no objection to being pushed over so Taichi wins Yujiro speaks in sexual innuendos while touching his groin that's his promo thank you Trachi refers back to Yujiro's pass with Naito and says that they carved a path for him. So that was nice. Uh, and he considers this the favor returned <laughs> by kicking him in the balls, I guess. Um, uh, so he's looking forward to Okada being next. The second match of the A block Jeff Cobb versus Minoru Suzuki. So Cobb ankle picks Suzuki at the beginning of the match and smiles, which is. Obviously a nod to their Ami wrestling backgrounds until Suzuki, he invites Cobb into his guard and suddenly Cobb's confidence goes missing. It's a unique uh, approach to the mat-based start to the match but it was good. Suzuki catches Cobb in an ankle lock and gives Cobb kind of like a gotcha finger gun after they break due to the ropes. Cobb's dragged outside. Suzuki just takes control of the bout from here. Um, There is one comeback that Cobb manages to mount, but soon thereafter, he falls to a gotch-style pie driver. I like this match, though. It's pretty good. Suzuki's still unhappy about people referring to his age, though, and suggests that people not compare him to others. He declares that he will win the G1. Kota Ibushi vs. Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii corners Ibushi and insists that he, <laughs> insists he gets elbowed in the face, and somehow that just works perfectly for Ishii. Most of the match is just every kind of fighting spirit spot you can think of joined together for 15 minutes. And then the referee has a go at Ishi for striking to the neck, but Ibushi gets his own back with a straight punch to Ishii's throat. Uh, Ishii headbutts out of the first Kamagoye attempt, and then on the second attempt, he just launches at Ibushi with a headbutt. Um, Ibushi reverses the Brainbuster twice before a third attempt counters it into a Brain Buster on Ishii. A Bomaye connects, but the pin only lasts two. Ibushi has just. He, Ishii just won't go down in this one. He's got to fight every inch to finally hit the Kamagoye, but when he does, he finally ends it. Fantastic match. He, Ibushi wins, of course, and... Um, Ishii doesn't say anything, but he's in a bad state backstage. Ibushi says he wants to fight Ishii as many times as he can, and then he transitions into this weird self-help seminar about not giving up on himself... And um, he says he can continue at this pace for the rest of this tournament, no problem. Okay, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi. Uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not going to go into the Osprey controversies, but from what I saw, it didn't really seem like something he needed to lose his job over. So, I was excited to see him back. Particularly because I knew that he was beefing up, and that New Japan were likely to push him. But I've got to say, it is not taken long for him to change my mind. <laughs> I'm not sure I can quite put my finger on what it is specifically, but he just doesn't act like a top guy, and he's just really hokey. Like he, I think, I I feel like he's trying to emulate Omega a bit. Um, but maybe he's just naturally this lame and contrived. I don't know. Don't know him. Anyway, he does some cool moves. Uh, Van Terminator. Uh, he does a shooting star press. He does a neat power Bomb counter. Uh, an Oz connects. But Shinko has his own cool moves. So, uh, Made in Japan, that goes close. He slams Osprey with a pumping bomber. And he clubs him off the turnbuckle. Um, and takes him up in the fireman's carry to hit a super Death Valley driver. Osprey kicks out at one. Another big lariat is followed by Last of the Dragon. Finishes off Osprey, breaks Shingo's losing streak, and a shot at the British title weight. <laughs> the British title weight. The British heavyweight title, perhaps. I don't know. This match was a bit over the top, but it was good. So, um, yeah, Osprey backstage Cops are lost in the chin, Says they're one and one now, so that even further hints toward them breaking the tie with the title match. If he stopped this promo there, it would have been fine. But he didn't. He keeps talking. He talks about how New Japan is the second biggest company in the world and that Jay White is in love with him. Great, thanks, mate. Um, Shingo is impressed with Osprey. He says he's as quick as ever despite getting bigger. Shut up, I'm recording. And... These calls this his turning point. This distracted me, you bloody email. He calls this his turning point. So uh, Ishii's next. He calls him a gutsy old man, but uh, he'll have more guts in coracon Hall. And... Um, I hope Osprey turned around and listened to that, because... Whether he understood it or not, just keep it simple, stupid. Moving on. Okada versus Jay White. White plays the same trick from last week where he mockingly tries to start a chant for his opponent. But this time he hasn't even let Okada enter the ring. Later he mocks the audience further by clapping kind of like all around, like between his legs. And then he ends up... Thrumming up his fist and slapping his biceps, the old up yours, you know. I don't know, it was kind of funny. It's hard to describe, but... Funny fella. Gato keeps nipping at the heels of Okada, so he ends up chasing him up the ramp, and um, White follows. Okada does an awful double DDT on both of them. Kan is their next attempt to cheat together as well, so he's got them well scouted. Uh, Jay White does his version of the Rainmaker pose, which we've all been missing, Speaking of which, his counter leads to the money clip, but Jay White reaches the ropes, he tries again later, Jay White pokes him in the eye, hits a rolling rainmaker just so he can sink in the money clip again. One more time. Uh, This time, Gato throws something at the referee, while White throws his arm between Okada's legs. Here we go again, no wait, Okada counters the Blade Runner with another money clip, no wait, White counters again and hits the Blade Runner. So, Okada could be out of the G1 already. I think that's, is he two, one, two losses, one win, I think? Anyway. So, White wins, calls after Okada. Uh, Obviously, this is the main event, so he's got the mic. He calls after Okada as he has helped up the ring and, and out of the arena. He thanks Okada for showing up to the anniversary of something he considers important which i believe he's referring to destruction in kobe 2018 when gato first turned on Okada. Um he calls the tournament the j1 he pauses when he says that he's undefeated for applause but the crowd doesn't do anything so then he has to clap himself and then they clap but uh he finishes strong with his you know the whole new era gimmick that he always talks about. This is a better promo from him, though. It it didn't have the laughy ramble stuff that I don't like. Uh, And then backstage, they have the chairs ready, which is good. He didn't have to yell at anyone. And he, again, refers to the single most important moment in New Japan history, which somewhat clarifies that I was right. Oh, eventually he does clarify that I was right. Yeah, it's Kobe. Um... Okay. Well, since Osprey's so interested in WWE, the uh, top promotion, let's just, let's talk about it. Night of Champions. Don't worry, I won't spend too long on it because I didn't watch it. But, um, you know, yeah. It's the biggest promotion, isn't it, Osprey? I better mention it. Uh, So every title, every match on this card was a title match. But the only one that changed hands was the Intercontinental title, Jeff Hardy to Sami Zayn. And Roman Reigns was in the main event against Jey Uso. And one with a technical knockout, which sounds interesting, but I couldn't find any highlights of it in the 20 seconds I tried searching on YouTube for it, so I can't comment on that. But I hear Reigns is doing well as a heel. People are liking it, so that's good. I'm glad. I like Reigns. And then um, McIntyre retained as well. I like McIntyre, that's good. I think he's. Reigns is Universal, McIntyre is World Champion, or WWE Champion. And Big Bobby Lashley, he retained the US title. There you go, that's enough. Back to New Japan. Okay. The 29th, we had uh, the return to Korokun Hall, Gabriel Kidd versus Yuyu Yurimura. Blah, blah, blah. Correct. They try to get a little fancy with the chain wrestling, and it just kind of is a bit sloppy, to be honest. But um, Yuromura puts just everything he's got behind a Boston Crab and makes Kid tap. Kid backstage says it serves him right for getting cocky and running his mouth the other day. But then he says that he hopes Tsuji saw the comments, so I don't know which it is. Yuromura says he hates losing more than the other two, but it's not about winning. It's about working his way up the card. So he's got a good attitude. B-block action. Yoshi, Hashi versus Sonata in the capital letters clash. Um, Yoshi dragged a decent match out of Evil, so can he do it with Sonata? He slips out of the skull end, which everyone should be able to do the way he usually puts it on. But... uh, it's resecured Yoshi appears to pass out so Sonata goes for the moon salt only to hit hashi knees Yoshi kicks out of the TKO then hits a dragon suplex followed by what should have been the finish um, I wrote it down later it's called like kama Go- uh, goroshi kama goroshi something like that it's like a it's like a side fisherman driver it should be his finish. Anyway, then he goes for Karma. Sonata reverses it into a skull end. Spins him round. Yoshi cradles him up. That doesn't work. Goes back to Karma. Pins Sonata. Wins with Karma. Yoshi Hashi. Big upset. And a good match from Yoshi. Despite, um... You know, the, well, last time it was a good match despite the finish. This time it was a good finish. So, uh, good for Yoshi. And the debris of the... Loose explosion is all over Sonata's face. Zero out of three. Yoshi Backstage remembers trying out for New Japan with Sonata 15 years ago, and neither of them were picked. He says he hasn't beaten him before, so this is a big win, but he wants to continue the success, and um, Sonata doesn't comment most of the time, so he certainly wasn't going to show his face after this embarrassment. Next match. Sorry if I'm... Rushing through this a bit, but oh my goodness, there's so many matches. Zach Sabre Jr., what are we up to? 45 minutes versus Kenta. Kenta's famous kicks are a rough start to this contest for Zaki. He tries to stand up to him, but Kenta's like just a bully early on. He hits the shotgun kick, he hits a corner drop kick, he hits the double foot stomp. Zach Sabre Jr. kicks out of that. The Buzaiko, Buzaiko, Buzaiku whatever it is, the knee. When he runs into his head with his knee, when he does that, Saber kicks out. Then he does go to sleep, uh, but Zack fights out of that. He doesn't uh, hit it. Kenta shows off an impressive ground game, being able to do more than defend against Zack. But actually, uh, eventually, the grappling does go the Brit's way. Kenta breaks on the ropes. They slap the crap out of each other. Uh, Another hard knee lands, Zach's done, go to sleep, finishes the job, and uh, Kenta really handled Zach well. It was almost like a sprawl and brawl game plan, because Kenta's the better striker. But yeah, he kind of was able to counter a lot of what Zach would do on the ground and and keep his distance and, yeah, just keep hammering him. So um, Kenta's glad to see the less rotund camera person, who I I talked about that last week. He was calling the poor guy fat. Uh, He also said he was unhappy because that cameraman wouldn't sit down with him to film as Kenta sat down. He briefly goes back on topic, um, but he says it was kind of just strange. Like, he says he didn't raise Zack Sabre Jr. this way, uh, and he must be going through his rebellious phase. But um, then he makes the camera person to promise to be there next time, before lamenting that his favorite TV show was cancelled. So that was a roller coaster. Tanahashi versus Juice Robinson. Well, isn't this just a super babyface bout full of sunshine? Juice violates COVID protocol by aggressively spitting when he talks to the referee. Uh, this is not the reason that the referee. Let's juice punch Tanahashi in the face, as far as I know. Although he spits even more when he then yells at the crowd to keep clapping, who have surely clapped their hands raw since June. Um, He makes up for it somewhat by switching to the We Will Rock You foot stomp beat, but then when they tire out of that, he yells, Keep going, and they kind of just warily laugh, like, We're tired. Um, a superplex is followed by a jackhammer, Tanahashi kicks out of that, he tries the pulp friction, it's counted into a sling bait, followed by another, but the high fly flow is rolled through into a near fall. Juice goes for the pulp friction again, but Tana drops down, grabs an ankle, Juice stupidly gives him the other one, and is rolled into a pinfall, so, Tanahashi wins, signs off with a pose down, and, um... Juice backstage gives it up for Tanahashi. Says he's the greatest wrestler he's been in the ring with. He promises to beat Yano next week. Tanahashi says Juice has changed a lot and gained a lot of confidence. And he thinks that he chipped a tooth off a Juicy Lariat. I hope not. That's a lot of smile invested. A lot of money involved. A lot of money invested in that smile. My goodness, can this be over? Okay. Toro Yano versus Evil. Oh, God. They got red shoes on this one to control the most uncontrollable pair of wrestlers in the competition so far. So they start this one by using the corner pads as weapons and pretending that those hurt. Togo gets involved while Evil has a private conversation with the referee. And uh, fortunately, at least Yano tapes... He uses his uh, cheating for good because he tapes... Togo to the barricade so that keeps him out of the match for a little while although he manages to free himself later and continue to be a pest um he he, he uh Yano tried the same thing on Evil but it didn't work uh so then uh, Yano's low blow attempts are telegraphed but Evil nails one when the referee is distracted Yano counters the SDF and hits his own low blow only to then be low blowed by Togo who he then low-blows back, and then he low-blows both Evil and Togo, and then he pushes Togo out, and he rolls up Evil for the win. What a completely ridiculous match, but at least it was short. And Yano Yano backstage says that he is the revealer of injustice. Okay, thank you. And the main event of this one, Hiroki Goto versus Tetsuya Naito. Goto's shoulder is taped up like a target or it may as well be, and, um, like, Naito doesn't really target the shoulder, but he does use it as a way to disrupt Godo's rhythm whenever he needs to, anyway, fast forward on this one, Naito tries, uh, running Destino, it's turned into a half GTR, Godo does the, um, oh, another GTR, the one, like, hanging him off the ropes, but that won't keep him down either, his, Next attack is countered into the... The half Destino... From Ed Wyman's carry... And then... He hits a running Destino... But that only gets a two count... Nida goes for the whole hog... But it's a GTW... Back the other way... For the final time... Valencia... And then the full wind-up Destino... No title shot for Godo... Who by the way... I think has put that weight back on... He lost... When he returned from the LA Dojo... Uh, no offence... But... Yeah... Naito stays down longer than Goto after this match, and uh, Bushi's been sitting outside the ring, possibly on commentary, not sure, but he gets in the ring to celebrate with his buddy. Uh, Naito cuts the same promo he always cuts, nothing special. Backstage, Goto is philosophical about his defeat and the path ahead. Naito is kind of mean. He says he beat Goto quicker than Zack and Tanahashi, so that really shows Goto's level. Wow, bitchy. He mockingly suggests that he sees potential in Goto and that he should have followed his advice to train under a waterfall. So I still don't get that reference, but it's still funny. Um, Then he moves on to mocking his supposed friend, Sonata, who's his next opponent. He says that uh, it's his three wins against Sonata's three losses he says the wrestling fans probably think that Sonata's gonna win but Sonata isn't ready for the underdog story yet and he's gonna lose because um, Sonata's hometown is uh, Niigata which is a city in that area so um, yeah he uh, I guess he's just saying the fans will be behind him but he's gonna win anyway or the fans will be behind Sonata, but Naito's going to win anyway. So there's that show done. How many more we got? One, two more shows? Yeah, two more shows. All right. Well, we'll let's... Okay, Corakuen Hall again, the 30th of September. It's A block. Let's run over the um, the standings before we go through the matches. Jay White and Taichi are on top of A block. Six points each, three nil each. Uh, Below them, is Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, and Kota Ibushi on four points each. Uh, Jeff Cobb, Okada, and Takagi are all on two points. And Ishii and Yujiro are both on zero points. So, um, that's the stand. And then if you want to call these guys C-block then um, we've got, actually, these guys are all tied up. The rotation has been that everyone's beat beaten each other because they've had six matches, they've faced each other twice, and each one beat the other, so they're all tied anyway. There's not really anything to say about that. So, well, I guess um, we've got Yuomori versus Yodasuji on the first, uh, the opening match here on this card. All four wins between these two have come by way of Boston Crab, so let's not hurt ourselves, hoping for any surprises. Oh, look at that. Suji wins with the Boston Crab. So he's top of C block. Uh, he flashes a look at Gabe Kidd at ringside on his way out, so those two face each other the following night. Uh, Suji says that he is better than Yuimura, but enjoys facing him because of what they've been through together. Mm-hmm. Aww. A block. Minoru Suzuki faces Yujiro Takahashi. This is just brawling around the ring with zero regard for the rules. They fight for like five minutes before the referee starts a count. Cool. They sort of have a match in the ring for a little while after that, but a pole driver mercifully ends it. So Suzuki wins. Yujiro asks, did I lose? It's all a blank. Yeah, Yujiro, that's pretty much how I felt about the match too. Koto Abushi versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, honestly, I watched this match and all I really noticed was the Kamigoye that ended it. I'm not even having a dig. I, it was probably decent, but yeah. Ibushi won. Um, Cobb insists on cutting promos despite having absolutely nothing to say. Abushi shows us his teeth. It looks like he's got like a chip or a gap or, or something. He says that the G1 is causing them to become looser. But the, that winning the tournament's more important than his smile. How about that? And, um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if that's new or not, but I did notice something in kind of his front teeth. Anyway, third match, Kazuchika Okada versus Chi. It really looks like Okada's back's bothering him. And I'm not just talking about when he decides to sell. It's like he's got the tape on his back. He just, he definitely moves stiffly. And uh, a dangerous backdropper! Cannot help such a condition. As they would put it in Japanese commentary. Um, there was a power bomb to... A tombstone. Then a money clip. He hits half a Rainmaker. The crowd enthusiastically cheer in an effort to see the Rainmaker in full. But Taichi pulls a referee between them. Low blows a kata. And... Oh, my notes are really fragmented on this one. Okada catches a sidekick, but his rolling lariat is counted into a Tai Chi Rainmaker. The Black Mephisto is counted into the money clip twice. On the second occasion, Tai Chi drops down as Okada cranks and the referee calls it off. Tai Chi passed out. Okada wins. And he says backstage that he doesn't care about looking cool or strong. He just has to keep winning. But he, he still looks kind of depressed to me this definitely gave him a boost um okay I should actually I should make some confessions here I may have been rather tired watching the first half of these matches uh this card and I did lose a step while keeping up with this G1 but I've caught up for now although the next two weeks are ridiculous the upside to uh being a bit behind though was that I got to sample the English commentary for the last two matches here So, I've actually heard it's been pretty good. So, Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero from here. And uh, the second last match, Will Ospreay versus Jay White. Commentary in English. Wrestlers that speak English. What kind of wrestling is this? No matter the language, Jay White and Gato make sure everyone knows who's undefeated in the J1. Uh, They talk about how smart Jay is, the commentary, during this match. But I think just as much to do with it is... Will being a dope. Actually, uh, I did a lot of moaning about this last week. So I just want to point out one match um, or one point in this match involving Gato that I liked. So, Osprey's lining up to do his Sasuke special, the flip out of the ring. But before he does, Gato comes along and he pulls White out of the way before it happens. But he does it in kind of a uh, I, I don't know, not too obvious a way. And he does it before the flip happens. If if Osprey had flipped out of the ring, it would have been different. He's very directly interfering in the match like that. But, I don't know, I think there's a little bit of credibility to it that a corner man should be able to kind of put his arm around his fighter when he's outside the ring, since the fight's meant to be going on inside the ring. But that wasn't the best part. The best part was, after that, um, Ghetto kind of like walks behind... Uh, White to give him some room between Osprey and then they get up on the, uh, J.Y. gets back in, Osprey gets on the apron and Ghetto just kind of moves up on him so he has the attention of Osprey and the referee and just the threat of him being involved is the distraction. So the referee doesn't look stupid here. He's got an eye on Ghetto and as soon as he sees Ghetto come near Osprey, Red Shoes commands him to stop. Which he does. But Osprey's distracted by it as well. And his hesitation allows Jay White to leap over, hit a DDT through the ropes. So White didn't cheat. There's nothing that the referee needs to really be too concerned with here. He just took advantage of the situation. Um, so the red, red shoes doesn't look stupid. Osprey looks naive, but it was reasonable for him to address the threat of Gato. Uh, Gato was only on the edge of doing something wrong. He didn't get physically involved. And this is what they should be doing more of, I think. It's subtle. They can do subtle spots like this, and they'll mean more, because they aren't at the expense of the rules. They aren't at the expense of the enforcers of the rules that we are supposed to believe in. And, um... I, I, th- I think you know it. It's still a heel. He's it's still a heel because he's getting distracted. Why it's still a heel, even though he didn't cheat, he took advantage. I think it was good. There you go, positive rant. Um. Anyway, Osprey hurts his knee doing a flip, so he's slow to get to the turnbuckle, and then um, this time Gator approaches him again. This time it's this is on Osprey. He's far too distracted by so little, so I don't feel bad at all when this goon face plants off the top turnbuckle um oh and don't worry about his knee either because it stopped hurting immediately after the first spot uh he has a crazy counter for the blade runner like he he's <laughs> you know the move skin the cat when you pull yourself back up over the top rope he like did that on jay white and then he hit a powerbomb and then he hits an oz cutter for two there's more counters and then Hidden Blade Stormbreaker. Osprey wins. Not a bad match, but I don't think these two gelled that well either. In the promo, Osprey pretends that he's got an earpiece with breaking news that the J1 is postponed due to an Will Osprey breakout? <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that line, but I will say this his curly mop of bi coloured hair looks ridiculous. And then he starts bleating about being the Billy Goat. Uh, I'll tell you what though. This promo confirms to me that he is trying to be Kenny Omega. His cadence is the same. And Kenny Omega has a very distinct cadence. So it's a terrible promo. Tommy um, Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi. Our main event. Here we are now. We're talking. So they start this one by running straight at each other. Until someone falls down. And then they start walloping each other. Until someone falls down. And then they start hurling each other. Um, that's most of the match. Shingo hits a, a cool pop-up DVD. Uh, about the 20 minute mark. They both go down. They slowly rise with just... Kind of dangerous headbutts. Uh, they hit elbows both ways. Shingo throws in a GTR. Then cracks Ishii with a pumping bomber. Ishii kicks out. And uh, they it Rumbles the arena. With the thunder of stomping and applause, it's four minutes left, Ishii hits a face breaker of a lariat, uh, followed by the brain buster to finally pick up his first win of the tournament. So Ishii wins, he forgoes the in-ring sign-off, but he does decide to stop in backstage, he says that this match was an everyday affair, and uh, that his battles go beyond wins and losses. And um, Shingo says he's an, a maniac and an old bastard. So there you go. Uh, if my math is correct, these are the A-block standings. And this is current now. Will Ospreay is 3-1 and one at 6 points. Minoru Suzuki, 3-1, 6 points. Those guys are top on head-to-head because Osprey beat Jay White. So Jay White's on 6 points as well. Taichi's on 6 points, but he lost to Minoru Suzuki... And Ibushi's on 6 points but he lost to Jay White so I mean we're early on those head to heads might not come into play anyway but uh, yeah 5 of the guys are on 6 points Okada's on 2 sorry no he's 2 for 2 he's on 4 points Cobb's on 2 points Ishii's on 2 points ahead of Shingo Takagi also on 2 points head to head and Takahashi's lagging behind on 0 points Next up, we got the final. We are to the final. What are we up to? Oh, it's going to be the same length as the last one. G1, 1st of October in Niigata. Gabriel Kidd versus Yoda Suji. So this has become the most heated rivalry between the three guys, and you can tell that way from this fight. Every movement is aggressive. Every attack has bad intentions. Suji mixes mix it up with a single leg Boston crab, but that doesn't work. Uh, Kid goes for the double underhook suplex. Suji powers out and hits a power slam. He goes for the full crab, but Kid's too close to the ropes. Uh, Kid locks in his own version of the move, uh, and Suji continually drags himself toward the ropes before finally breaking the hold. Uh, Kid locks his arms, but again, Suji just has enough left to lift out of it, and with a surge of energy, Suji locks in the Boston Crab right in the middle. Uh, It's Kid's turn to dig deep. He... Suji gives him a chance actually, because he tries to readjust the hold, and then Kid counters that into a pin. There's a nice drop kick from Kid and a hard spear from Suji as the clock's counting down. They both desperately attempt pins, but the time limit's reached, and the referee has the unenviable job of trying to separate them as they still try to fight each other. Really great match, goes to a draw, and um, at least Kid kept Suji from going too far on top. Oh, too far clear on top of C-block. So, um it's backstage Tsuji emits their evenly match, which buries Uemura because he just said that he was above him. Um, and then Kid just says that he would have kept fighting him for as long as he took, uh, or for as long as it would have taken. Now, B-block standings before uh, the B-block matches here. we got Tetsuya Unito 3-0-6 points. Toroyano 3-0-6 points. Then uh, below that on four points, we've got Juice Robinson and Kenta. On two points, there's a a big group. Zack Sabre Jr., Hiroki Goto, Evil, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Yoshi Hashi, followed by Sonata on zero points. So it's first versus last in the main event. But first, Juice Robinson versus Toro Yano. The surprisingly undefeated Yano receives a thorough physical checking by the referee while Juice takes his time getting his gear off. Yano gives him one of his t-shirts to wear, which Juice naively puts on and is nearly pinned as soon as it goes over his head. Then Yano squirts soap in his face with his little spray bottle, and Juice retreats to the outside to wash his eyes. Yano follows him out, but Juice takes his spray bottle and just empties it all over Yano's face, blinding him, and he nearly gets counted out. Yano runs away again, luring Juice out onto the Um, onto the ramp. He tapes his legs together, forcing Juice to hop back into the ring, but he manages to untie himself, avoid the low blow attempt, goes for the pulp friction. Uh, Yano counted it the same way Tanahashi did in Juice's last match, but this time Juice is smart enough to stack Yano rather than fall forward into the pin. So uh, he wins. He wins off that pin He takes the victory. Yano backstage makes excuses as he just kind of passes straight through the press area Uh, but Juice stays to gloat and make a fool of himself with the old George Bush fool me twice mix-up except George Bush got the phrasing right he just realized in the moment that he didn't want to say shame on me so he changed it while Juice just started with fool me once shame on me and then it took him a while to figure out where he went wrong and uh, that was the highlight of that promo Next match, Hiroki Goto versus Zack Sabre Jr. Zacky boy back to his old ways in this match because he got flogged by Kenta, but um, he's tying Goto's in knots. Goto in knots from the off on this one. Goto hits the Yushigarashi, but his right shoulder is clearly in bad shape, and uh, maybe that played a part in the surprisingly quick finish. Sabre countering a GTR attempt with the pin. Uh, I think he calls that the European clutch, but... Um, that was it. Zack Sabre wins. It's pretty quick match, and uh, Zack just laughs off Goto backstage, who doesn't show up for a promo himself. Next match, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Yoshihashi. Tanahashi makes a meal of taking off his jacket, but the fans are all for it. Yoshi is smart to target the legs and gets the better of a chop battle, too. Uh, a big powerbomb earns him a two count. Tanahashi goes for his old straightjacket German suplex, but he doesn't hold on to it well enough, so it doesn't keep Yoshi down. He does get all of a sling blade, though. He goes up to the top rope. Yoshi puts his knees up on the high fly flow. He dodges the next sling blade, hits a lariat for two, and then locks in the most painful of butterflies. <laughs> Even uh, Tanahashi, the master of selling, can only make this one appear Mildly uncomfortable and mostly frustrating. So eventually Yoshi gives up on it. Tanahashi picks up where he left, where Yoshi left off on the leg work, and he tries the Texas Cloverleaf, but that's counted into a pin. Kuma That was the name of the move. I couldn't uh, remember before. It um, that should be that should be Yoshihashi's finish. I don't know how long he's been doing that. I don't recognize it. So um, Yoshihashi goes for Kama. Tanahashi sees it coming um, and manages to hit a high fly flow to a standing Yoshi and then another to finish him. Good match, nothing special. They share a moment of respect after the match. Yoshi's got a good attitude and takes the defeat well without excuses, just says he wants to win their next match together. Tanahashi does the math and says he will win the G1 handily, but does admit there was luck on his side, slyly putting over the hash. Then we've got uh, Kenta versus Evil. Kenta offers the two sweep before the match, but Evil only gives one to Togo. The disrespect there. So Kenta rolls out of the ring to come to terms with this insult for several minutes. Uh, He takes control from there. He taunts Togo a little bit, which may be the reason he gets pulled out of the ring next time he goes near Togo. There's a lot of brawling outside the ring. Um, Evil targets Kenta's ever-injured shoulder. The referee goes down because that was his destiny in this match. Kenta smacks Togo and Evil with his briefcase. There's some hard kicks. There's a Buzaiko knee. Evil kicks out of that. Uh, Evil hits the Darkness Falls spinebuster, but can't do much to capitalize on it, collapsing after a weak pin attempt. Fortunately for him, Kenta takes a while to wake up as well, but... He uh, gets up and blasts Evil with some open hand strikes, then throws Togo into the ring to deal with him again, only for Evil to take that chance at a low blow, hits everything as Evil, one, two, three. I, I mean, do the referees get bonuses for refereeing bullet club matches? Because he got thrown down before that as well. So I don't know if um, Evil cares about challenging for this US title briefcase, but uh, I for one don't need to see more matches like this. Although for what it was, it was good, but it just, all that interference is annoying. I'm not going to go into it again. Evil wins. Kenta tells the cameraman he's overweight again, and he blames him for the loss. How mean's that? He says that the taste of his own medicine that he copped in this match tasted great. Evil doesn't want to comment, like he goes to the press area to say that he doesn't want to comment, begging the question, why did you stop? But, anyway. Main event time. Tetsu United versus Sonata. So, as I said before, Sonata's from around this area. So, I expect the audience's silent support. And if you loved the stalling in the last match, you will love this match. Because, actually, you'll love it before the match even begins. Takes forever to get started. Uh, The (laughs) the fans clap the way they would to a Sonata chant. But, (coughs) is also... The rhythm for like 80% of wrestling chance in total so I'm only guessing um, so these two obviously know each other's movesets well um, it stays pretty even there aren't long spells where there's a one more dominant over the other Sonata kicks Naito's shoulder into the corner post and drops him down over his knee there's a skull and attempt to reverse there's a destino counted into a TKO They bounce elbows off each other's chins back and forth. Skull End gets locked in, this time with the spin and the body lock. So Naito's in there for a while. He pops out and Sonata secures him on the other side. Now, Sonata's out uh, after a while here. He's not moving. He's not defending. This is murder. And Red Shoes is just watching. Just going, hey, Naito, Naito. like... He hasn't responded the last ten times you asked. Why haven't you called the match off? Whatever. Thanks, no- thanks, red shoes. Because you got we got more of a match out of it thanks to that. Because it turns out Nido was still alive. He moves out of the way for a moon salt. There's five minutes to go. Sonata sees uh, a running Destino coming from a mile away, but he then Nido hits one straight after that. Sonata kicks out, counters the next one, so they're at a stalemate again. There's time's running out. Sonata hits a half destino on Naito as a counter to one of his moves. And it's, he kind of has a chuckle to himself, which is rare to see out of Sonata. And uh, he hits the moonsault to Naito's back. He hits another one to his chest to win by a pinfall. Sonata finally breaks his duck, but even better. He'll be getting this match down the track with the titles on the line. So uh, Sonata f- throws up his fist... And while Naito takes his time, he eventually returns the L.I.J. salute before leaving the ring in frustration. So, uh, yeah, Sonata wins. He stands in the ring admitting it's been a while, but he wants to see the lights. They they dim the lights for him and everyone puts their phone lights on. Um, and then just Sonata just thanks the crowd, says, Nagaoka is his favorite place or the place he loves the most. Backstage Naito says he doesn't want to make excuses. Sonata's awesome. Yoshihase's next in his second home of Hiroshima. So he'll restart his winning streak there. Uh, and he kind of backhandedly admits that Yoshi's doing well, like it comes to a surprise to him. Anyway, there's... Um, uh, if I got my math right here, Tetsuya Naito and Juice Robinson are on top of B block with Yanu behind Juice on head-to-head. Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Evil, and Tanahashi are all on four points. Goto, Yoshihashi, and Sanada are on two points each. And the next two weeks of G1 is non-stop. So we'll see how I go. Um, and then there's Best of Super Juniors, which will take place in November alongside the Tag League Tournament. Oh boy. Usually this time of year is slow for New Japan. So I guess if there's any upside to this epidemic, it'd be, uh, well, in at least, you know, in terms of pro wrestling, then I suppose this is it, but I've got my work cut out for me. Um, there it is. 1.15 again. I'm sorry if I rushed through this. I've got somewhere to be. Thank you very much for listening and, um, until next week, have a good one.